0: 1 Kings chapter 12, and um, once you get there, I want to just direct your attention uh, for a couple of minutes to the uh, handout that I gave you tonight. Not going to spend a lot of time on this, but thought this would be uh, of value uh, both tonight and uh, in the Sunday school hour uh, on Sunday morning. So tonight, uh, we'll come to. Uh, chapter 12, which uh, is the chapter which begins the division uh, un- of the kingdom into the northern uh, ten northern tribes of Judah, uh, the two southern forgive me Israel, the two southern tribes of Judah uh, and Benjamin, which which collectively just become known as Judah. Right. So, uh, I've given you a timeline here, uh, Old Testament Bible timeline, which includes some of the major milestones. Uh, on the Old Testament timeline, I wanna just quickly put this uh, chapter and this event in context. So if you start all the way at the left, it's creation, uh, the account of Abraham, the account of Moses, uh, the time of the conquest and judges, uh, the time of the United Kingdom, which uh, uh, is of course the time of David uh, and Solomon. And So in our recent studies, Uh, we've been looking at this time. Tonight, uh, we come to the first blue section there, uh, the time of the divided kingdom. And so the remaining portion uh, of 1 Kings and then through the balance of 2 Kings uh, will be this time of the divided kingdom. Now, uh, since we're here and we have this timeline, look down at the bottom section Uh, on this first page as well. On Sunday morning in the Sunday school hour, we've been making frequent reference to uh, the Assyrians, the Assyrian Empire, and the various uh, Gentile empires that followed, those that were prophesied by Daniel. And so uh, these have been placed onto the timeline with the dates uh, just to kind of be a, a help to us um, on Sunday morning as well. There's a little memory aid there also to help you remember the empires that Daniel prophesied. So it's the Assyrians, the Babylonians, the Medo-Persians, uh, the Greeks, and the Romans. If you take the first letter of each, we can make a sentence, all Babylonians must get right. Uh, Assyrians, Babylonians, Medo-Persians, Greeks. And so that'll that'll help you remember the order. Uh, of those empires, which become more of a, a thing that w- we'll allude to on, on Sunday morning again. So if I ask you on Sunday morning to give me the order of those historical Gentile empires that Daniel prophesied and, by the way, did come to pass, now you'll be able to do that, right? Okay, so uh, flip over uh, to the back of this first page. I've given you an outline uh, of First Kings. Uh, with the goal here to give you sort of the uh, some detail on where we're going in the balance uh, of this chapter. And you'll see here that uh, tonight, once again, we'll see the division uh, of the nation into the North and Southern Kingdoms. Uh, and then throughout the balance of this chapter, uh, the, the focus will vary sort of between North and South. It kind of ping pongs back and forth. So we'll see... Uh, aspects of the southern uh, kingdom tonight as well as the northern kingdom, and then we'll kind of flip back and forth um, as the chapter moves its focus. And then uh, the last page is just a a reference for you. Uh, One side, the first side here, gives you the kings of Israel, uh, so the northern kingdom, uh, the ten northern tribes, uh, during the time of the divided kingdom, gives you Dates and keep in mind, there's dates will vary a little bit depending on uh, what reference you're looking to, but these are these are pretty uh, reasonably good dates, I believe. Um, so the the various kings, where you find them, First uh, Kings versus Second Kings. Uh, when you get down to the bottom of that left-hand column, you just go up to the top of the right-hand column and follow that down chronologically. Uh, until they go into the Assyrian captivity in 722. Now if flip that over, uh, you won't be surprised to find the kings of Judah, the southern kingdom. Same same order here, same structure. Start at the top of that first column on the left, there's Rehoboam. We're going to meet him tonight. Uh, follow that down to the bottom, uh, and then go up to the top of the right-hand column, Jotham, down to Zedekiah, uh, and then uh, Judah going into the Babylonian captivity. If I asked you the date, you would know it, but it's on here, right? It's 586 B.C., but you already knew that. So uh, hold on to this. Uh, this would be a good reference for us as we continue uh, through our study of 1 Kings and, and then 2 Kings. Um, got some other information we'll hand out along the way. But hopefully that's that helps us to kind of put it into sort of the big picture perspective of the overall Old Testament timeline. And then, kind of help us drill down into the details that we 'll be seeing uh, through the balance of the chapter. Is that helpful? Yeah. Amen yeah. <laughs> amen, good uh, good. okay, with that, we' better pray let's let 's bow our heads and uh, and we 'll pray. Father, we do thank you, Lord, tonight, for uh, this uh, your church, uh, the church in which you 've placed us uh, lord we 're grateful. Uh, for our church. Father, we're grateful for your words. Uh, Thank you for uh, giving them to us and preserving them for us. Thank you for an excellent translation. Lord, thank you for our salvation. Thank you for the cross and for our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, thank you for uh, your word that shows us how to be saved and uh, Lord, how to walk with you as saved people. Father, thank you tonight for the Old Testament. Uh, Lord, we understand tonight that the better we know the Old Testament, the better we can comprehend the New Testament. And so uh, we thank you for the privilege to study it together. And Lord, we ask tonight that you would help us to do just that. Uh, Lord, I pray that you'll help me tonight to um, bring forth these things clearly. And Lord, that uh, we'll see principles tonight that you would have us to see uh, and to walk according to Father, I love you. I thank you now. I pray all of this in Jesus' name, uh, Amen. All right, you may look up here. Uh, this coming Sunday morning, we'll continue uh, in the book of James in, in chapter three, and we're going to come down to the bottom of of chapter three, the last five or six verses, uh, and, and look at uh, how the Lord compares and contrasts, brother Ray, wisdom from above. Uh, versus wisdom from below. One is godly, one is Christ-honoring, and, and the other is not. Uh, one, one tends to obedience to the Lord, and one tends to obedience to the flesh. Uh, we understand that. That's, that's not a, a new idea for us. Uh, tonight, here in this chapter, we, we find a man, uh, Solomon's son, Rehoboam, who is uh, challenged to decide if he's going to receive uh, or walk in uh, counsel or wisdom from above, or counsel uh, or or wisdom from below. He's got some decisions to make uh, as he's uh, anticipating uh, becoming king and and reigning as king. Uh, Brother Ray, he's he's tempted and and does seek counsel from two different places and. Uh, receives counsel that falls pretty neatly into those two buckets, and he has to decide uh, what he's going to do. You, of course, already know uh, that he re- he foolishly receives unwise counsel, which leads pretty directly to the division uh, of the kingdom, the division of, of the tribes in, into two uh, kingdoms with, with two different kings. And again, that, that'll be the balance of this book and, and the next. Uh, Rich, we, we would I think pretty easily agree tonight. None of this will be God's uh, desire. Uh, it, it wouldn't be God's desire to split the the nation in into two, and uh, that there be the animosity that that we see. But of course, this is a consequence of sinful decisions, uh, and we're, so we're reminded again tonight: Hey, sin has consequences. The decision. Uh, to, make a, to choose a sinful path, it always has consequences and uh, sometimes has very big, uh, very severe consequences that affect a lot of people. Zach will probably not occupy a position where, where our sinful decisions could affect the whole nation, uh, but certainly the sinful decisions of, of one man or one church member uh, could affect a marriage, could affect a family, could affect a church. Uh, or, or even more broadly, and so we want to be sure tonight that we get a hold of, uh, of this idea. Uh, certainly, let's jump in here. First, uh, First Kings, uh, chapter 12. Tonight we see. Uh, so you remember from last week, uh, Solomon has died. Uh, Mike Solomon fell into pretty significant sin. He chose uh, pretty significant sin. Uh, It was really a sort of a continuation of some of the wrong choices that he had made earlier on, but uh, he chose to really double down on those, to go all in on those, and and the Lord pronounced consequences um, as a result. One of those consequences was that the Lord would uh, rend the kingdom or a leadership role, not not directly from Solomon, uh, but from his son. And so, hey, God said that he would do that, uh, we're, we're going to see that here in this chapter, so that's just another uh, principal reminder for us tonight. What God says He's going to do, you can count on it. He's going to do it. Zach, thankfully, tonight we know that He's 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 promised to keep us saved forever, right? From, from the fires of hell, if we've repented of sin and placed our faith in Him. So. Uh, you know, there's there's a positive way to view this this principle. Also, we praise God for that. Look at verse 1. one, First Kings 12, verse one. Rehoboam went to Shechem. Uh, this would be northeast of Jerusalem, 30-40 miles northeast of Jerusalem. Uh, for all Israel were come to Shechem to make him king. This is the place. Uh, where Where they had determined to uh, to to appoint him king there's there's probably reasons we won't take time uh, to go into why that place tonight, but there's probably some uh, historical uh, reasons for that. Uh, however, uh, we see here uh, immediately uh, in verse two it seems that the, already uh, there are some who are saying, no, we don't think this is the right course of action. There's uh, there's, there's, some dissent uh, really immediately here, and, and we'll see some reasons for that. There, uh, there, there, there isn't going to be dissent just for no reason at all. There, there'll be explanations, uh, historical explanations for this. Verse 2 says, came uh, to pass when Jeroboam, remember we met Jeroboam last chapter, Uh, the son of uh, Naboth, same same Jeroboam we met last chapter, uh, who was yet in Egypt, he had gone down to Egypt, uh, heard of it. He heard that Rehoboam uh, was about to be anointed king. Uh, Jeroboam, uh, he was fled from the presence of King Solomon. Uh, Jeroboam dwelt in Egypt, and we saw some of the history that led up to his fleeing uh, down into Egypt uh, last chapter. Now, Uh, Zach, help me out. Egypt, is that a place where a man could uh, expect to be influenced spiritually? (laughs) That's kind of a trick question. Uh, he, He could expect to be influenced spiritually, but you said can't hear you over the AC, I'm sorry, but I think I know what you're saying. It wouldn't be a positive spiritual influence. We know that. It's not a place where, it's not a nation where, where people knew the Lord. Well, they knew of him, but they, they weren't choosing uh, to, to worship him. We, we, we know a fair amount about the false faith uh, that was being practiced uh, in Egypt. And so uh, a man who cho- chose to flee there would have to be very careful about not getting caught up in all of the negative Uh, uh, spiritual influences of of that land. I think we can see here before this chapter is over that that Jeroboam is not a man uh, who was being careful about that. Uh, Should he have fled to Egypt? No, no, probably not. Uh, Given that he did, should he have been a lot more careful about the influences uh, around him when he was there? Yes, definitely, and of course, uh, we don't really have a choice, do we, Rich, about the, the world that we live in today. Uh, we're thankful for a nation where we enjoy liberties, but we also have to stand guard uh, with the understanding that many people are exercising their liberties in a way that is not Christ-honoring, uh, and if we're not careful, we can be pulled back into uh, many of those antichrist things. We, we understand that tonight. Uh, look at verse 3, uh, they that sent and called him, uh, they, they sent and called him Jeroboam and all the congregation of Israel came and spake unto uh, Rehoboam. So they have a grievance against Rehoboam uh, regarding Solomon. They say in verse 4, uh, thy father made our yoke grievous. Uh, he taxed us very heavily, uh, more than we could bear. Uh, now therefore make thou the grievous service of thy father uh, and his heavy yoke which he put upon us lighter, uh, and we will serve thee. They said, listen, uh, this was probably toward the end of Solomon's reign. Uh, he, he had increased taxes to a level that evidently uh, was very burdensome, was, was more burdensome, uh, it would seem, at least this is the way the people felt, Then they could continue uh, to bear. And so they bring this concern, this grievance to Rehoboam, and they say, listen, if, uh, if you will lighten our load, if you will lower the taxes, uh, we, w- we will serve you, we, we will support you, uh, and, and we will serve you no, no matter what. Uh, this, is, this is the deal that they proposed to make uh, with Rehoboam. Verse 5, he said unto them, Rehoboam said, uh, listen, depart uh, yet for three days. Uh, I'm going to ask you to, to go for three days uh, and then come back to me. Uh, I'm going to think about this, uh, get some counsel, and then I'm going to come back. You're going to come back, and we're going to have another congrega- uh, conversation. There we go. Uh, and the people departed. And uh, pretty much immediately, Rehoboam goes and, and he seeks counsel, trying to figure out, hey, uh, what should I do? Uh, Rich, I believe he began here very wisely. He began uh, by going not not to the young bucks or, or the, uh, his peers, but... Uh, he, he did well, I believe, by beginning to go to the older, wiser, more experienced men uh, who you, you would hope at least would, would likely have been relatively more spiritually mature uh, in addition to just relatively more experienced in practical matters. Uh, so he goes to them. Verse 6 says, King Rehoboam consulted uh, with the old men. Men, none of us are old, right? We're just getting older. Amen. Amen? Zach, you're not old, but we're getting the rest. Well, you're getting older too, aren't you? All right, and we'll lump you in. Rehoboam consulted with the old man, verse 6, that stood before Solomon, his father, uh, while he yet lived. So he goes very wisely to some of the same counselors uh, who evidently had counseled Solomon. This, I mean, starts out very humble, very wise. Uh, Seems like the right thing. And he asked them, he said, how do ye, he he wanted, he asked for counsel from all of them. Ye, uh, the plural, how do ye advise uh, that I answer this people? Very wise, uh, very wise. He he respects the wisdom of his elders. Very good beginning to the process. Verse 7, he gets well, uh, arguably, we we could conclude is wise counsel uh, from the older men. Verse seven, they spake unto him, saying. By the way, I want to go back to to verse six for, for a moment. He asked all of them, didn't he? He didn't just ask one man. Uh, that that plural pronoun there, ye, is there for a reason. It, it it is the plural, right? The underlying word is that plural pronoun. He asked more than one of them. Uh, in the the grammar is suggested he asked all of them for for input for counsel. There is a Bible principle, isn't there, that there's safety in a multitude of counselors. Amen. That a Bible there's safety in a multitude of counselors. You know, one man could give you the wrong advice. Uh, whether he's having a bad day, or maybe you've just misperceived uh, how how spiritually mature he is or, or not, uh, one man could give wrong advice, but there's there's wisdom uh, in in Bible principle. Again, there's wisdom in receiving counsel from a, a multitude of counselors. There's safety in that, and so uh, again, Rehoboam begins uh, very wisely. They answer verse seven. They speak on him saying, if Thou will be a servant unto this people uh, this day and will serve them and answer them uh, and speak good words to them. He's, now, It doesn't say this literally, but they seem to be saying, listen, uh, if if you will approach them more as a servant leader than a leader who is demanding to be served by them. Uh, Brother Ray, I think in context, they seem to be saying, if, uh, if you will seek to give more than, than you demand to get from them, you know what? They'll serve you forever. They'll they'll recognize in you a humble spirit, a servant, uh, leadership sort of approach to leading uh, the people and the land, and, and they'll get behind you. Implied is that he would lower the taxes. That would be sort of a practical application of the council uh, that they are giving, I think that that is pretty clearly uh, implied uh, in context. Speak good words to them, uh, then they will be thy servants uh, forever. Uh, is there uh, one man in history who would be a particularly good example of this idea of uh, servant leadership? And <laughs> the Lord Jesus Christ, right? Uh, the Lord Jesus Christ came. Uh, very meekly uh, entered into Jerusalem very meekly, right uh, on a on, um, on, uh, very meek, lowly animal and, and, and uh, ministered, uh, and I understand there was a righteous indignation at times and he spoke somewhat harshly uh, at times, but the, the overall tone of his ministry was very humble uh, and and meek uh, he came to serve. Uh, those who ultimately would become his servants, but he he came to serve. Christ uh, modeled this principle throughout his own ministry, and of course, leaders today do well to see that, Uh, to understand that and to uh, apply that very practically in in their own role. Uh, Pastors, for example, uh, possess the the office of pastor uh, is imbued with authority that the Lord invests in the office, but certainly the pastor is called to exercise that authority, to walk in and with that authority in a very humble, uh, very meek fashion, not demanding obedience to God's words, but teaching preaching, uh, encouraging people humbly and and meekly, not making demands of people, but encouraging uh, according to God's words. This was Christ's approach. This is the the ultimate example of wise leadership. This is really the counsel that the wise older men are offering to Rehoboam. This is the counsel that young leaders still receive today and uh, and, and have success with uh, even today. Well, Rehoboam, um, as you know, very foolishly rejects the wise counsel uh, of the older men choosing uh, instead to go to the younger men that he had grown up with, his peers, uh, the young whippersnappers, if if you will. Now, there there might have been some who were wise beyond their years, who were spiritually mature, uh, who were able and willing to provide wise counsel, but that doesn't seem to be the case. Uh, verse 8, he forsook the counsel of the old men. They gave it and he decided to forsake it, to uh, to leave it behind, to turn away from it, and to seek other counsel. Uh, he rejected it as counsel that, that was not acceptable uh, to him. He made a decision to reject that counsel. Uh, why do you suppose that was? Guys, Why stop and think about this for a second. Uh, why do you suppose that... Um, they, he he rejects this counsel. Uh, the, the the older men say, "Serve the people, speak good words to them." Implied is the idea uh, of lowering the taxes. Zach, I don't know. I keep picking on you. I'm sorry. I don't know if you have any thoughts on that tonight. Uh, why wouldn't he say, "Yeah, you know what? That's that's wise counsel from older, wiser men. Uh, I'm gonna take up that counsel and and run with it." Why why might he? Why might he have rejected that? It's okay if you're not quite sure about that. Um, guys, anyone else have a thought, gentlemen? Uh, pe- who's it? Peer pressure. Uh, yeah, Gary. There, there might have been peer pressure to do something differently. That's that's sort of a thing when you're a younger guy, also, uh, right? Uh, the, the go with go with what your peers say, whether it's right or wrong. There's uh, there's pressure. And any other thoughts? Uh, any other thoughts uh, brother may i wonder I wonder tonight if um, there 's just sort of the, the 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 lust of the flesh, <laughs> the lust of the eyes, uh, all the prideful desires of a man 's heart uh, sort of warring against the counsel that that he 's received he doesn 't want to serve he wants to be served pridefully uh, he doesn 't want to give up income, he wants to get more income he wants to to heap more of, of the nation's wealth onto the satisfying of his own, perhaps, lustful desires. Uh, I think you can kind of look into this passage and uh, discern this. We can't say for sure, because it doesn't say that exactly, but uh, there's, there's certainly suggestions to this effect before we get done. He's, he's got to weigh this wise counsel uh, again, which which might have hurt a little bit, might have hurt his pride a little bit, might have uh, caused him to to think, oh, I'm I, you know I'm not going to enjoy uh, the the reign over the people like my dad did uh, if if I give up certain things along the way here. I think there's there's a spiritual battle here, pride uh, versus being a, a provider for uh, the people, and so he says, I reject that counsel. And what what happens when, when you when you reject uh, counsel from someone uh, what's 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 the next step that people will often do uh, whether it's counsel someone received from a pastor or a friend or or a parent uh, what, what, what's what's the um, what's the temptation so often? it's not to go out and look for the same counsel, it's to go out and look for counsel that will validate what you think you ought to do, right? Uh, or, or what you want to do. You, you go out and you look for counsel that will validate what you want to do. And you know what? You Eventually, if you look enough places, uh, you can find someone who will agree with you. Uh, what What happens so often with, with church people, thankfully not, not here, not in recent days at least, uh, someone will have an issue with, with the church, or a church member, or the, or the pastor, or some some point of doctrine, and and they they just can't they, they they refuse to receive counsel. They refuse to receive instruction from God's words, brother Ray. What what will people do sometimes instead? They'll they'll go online and they'll just start searching around until they can find somebody that lines up with them, or someone that'll validate their unbiblical attitude, heart doctrine whatever you can find somebody that will agree with you no matter what you think we need to stand guard against the temptation uh, to, to approach receiving counsel that way, with sort of a preconceived notion uh, about what is right and what is wrong. That's, that's not the purpose of counsel, to validate what I've already decided. Well, Rehoboam seems to have foolishly made the mistake of, of deciding what he wanted, rejecting the wise counsel of the older men, and going to the young men, who he probably pretty confident would agree with him. Uh, so verse 80, he forsook the counsel of the old men, which they had given him and consulted uh, with the young men that were grown up with him, peers, uh, which stood before him. So the older men stood before Solomon, his dad, his peers uh, stand before him. Verse nine, he said unto them, what counsel give ye? So he's asking all of them. This probably felt right. What do y'all give? What what? I want to hear from all of you. What counsel give ye? Uh, that we may answer this people who have spoken to me, saying, make the yoke which thy father did put upon us lighter. Well, they they give him counsel that uh, seems pretty harsh, uh, but also seems to align pretty well with what he was looking for, uh, brother Ray. Verse 10, the young men that were grown up with him spake unto him, saying, uh, Thus shalt thou speak unto this people that spake uh, unto thee, saying, uh, Thy father made our yoke heavy, but make thou it lighter. That's what they said. They they said make it lighter, and then they go on to say, thus the the young the young men now people said, hey make it make our burden lighter. The young counselors continue now. Thus shalt thou say unto them, my little finger shall be thicker than my father's loins, uh, verse eleven. And now, whereas my father did laid you with a heavy yoke. I will add to your yoke. My father has chastised you with whips, but I will chastise you uh, with scorpions. They said, you know what? You do well to really lay down the law. Your dad expected this, and, uh, and, and where there was not agreement, uh, he he chastened them this harshly. You expect more, and, and, and where they don't deliver, you chasten them all, all, you'll punish them all the more harshly. Uh, this this probably was his heart to begin with, uh, and he's found his counselors, his peers uh, who agree, uh, who encourage, who validate this uh, no doubt sinful, prideful, greedy inclination uh, of his heart. Uh, Lord help us to stand guard against this approach to receiving wise counsel. Lord, help us to, to understand this, this part of our sin nature. Uh, we'll go there given the opportunity. Help us stand guard against this. Give us hearts to hear wise counsel and to receive wise counsel, even when it's not what our first inclination uh, was. Uh, Jeroboam returns. Verse 12, Jer- and the people. They, they come back. It's been three days. He said, go, come back in three days. So they obey, they go, they come back in three days. Verse 12, so Jeroboam and all the people came to Rehoboam the third day uh, as the king is appointed saying, come to me again the third day. uh, He answers them. Verse 13, the king answered the people roughly, uh, not with good words, evidently he answered the people roughly uh, and forsook the old men's counsel that they gave him. He's already done that. Uh, and spake to them, verse 14, after the counsel of the young men, saying, my father made your yoke heavy. I will add to your yoke. I will increase your taxes. My father also chastised you with whips, but I will chastise you with scorpions. I'm going to expect all that much more. When you're disobedient, I'm going to punish you uh, all that much more uh, harshly, brother Ray. Why do you suppose? Why do you suppose this was his decision uh, to tax them even more and to punish them even more harshly? To require even more than Solomon. Is there is there one word? Is there one p word maybe that might explain uh, all of this? I, I think it's just simple pride. Dad had this. I want to go beyond Dad and, and have even more. Uh, What he should have been focused on is the fact that dad had great wisdom, right? Uh, Yeah, sure, dad had great wealth, and he thought that was awesome. That's probably the thing that he valued the most. What he should have valued is dad's wisdom and and seeking and and walking in uh, wisdom rather than pridefully uh, pursuing after wealth and control. Uh, He should have sought humble Uh, meek wisdom instead. You see uh, a war here between the old nature that we know uh, and the new nature that that we know. We understand uh, this this spiritual battle. Um, Verse 15 is a very interesting verse. Look with me here. Uh, Wherefore the king hearkened not unto the people. He clearly did not agree with their request. For the cause was from the Lord. Now that's very interesting, uh, isn't it? For the cause uh, was from the Lord that he might perform his saying, which the Lord spoke by Ahijah the Shilonite unto Jeroboam uh, the son of Naboth. Uh, Back in chapter 11, you can just peek back there real fast. Chapter 11. Um, verses uh, 11 and 12. Look look there, please. Back at chapter 11, verse, verse uh, 11, 11, 11, Wherefore the Lord said unto Solomon, for as much as this is done of thee, thou hast not kept my covenant uh, and my statutes which I have commanded thee, I will surely rend the kingdom from thee uh, and give it to thy servant. Uh, notwithstanding in thy days, I will not do it for David thy father's sake. Uh, but, end of verse 12, I will rend it out of the hand of thy son. Uh, God said he would do that. uh, And sure enough, um, we're getting to a point now where uh, Rehoboam's decisions are going to lead to uh, the decision of the people to uh, deny him the right to or the opportunity to uh, reign over 10 of the 12 tribes. Now verse fifteen makes it clear that uh who was at work here? Who was orchestrating uh this situation rather sovereignly, evidently. Zach, who who is it that's working here? It's who? Yeah, it's the Lord working here, right? Wherefore the king hearkened not unto the people, for the cause was from uh the Lord. Uh the Lord was uh sovereignly, no doubt, working. Uh, orchestrating events here uh, to rend the kingdom from the son of Solomon, just exactly as he told Solomon uh, he would do. Now, God could have accomplished that which any way He chose to, but uh, this this is the opportunity that He uh, He pursues. Uh, so, sure enough, we get down to verse sixteen. There, there is a revolt of of the the tribes of Israel. Um, So uh, verse 16 says this, so when all Israel saw the king hearkened not unto them, uh, when he spoke harshly rather than good words, when he refused uh, to lighten their burden, uh, the people answered the king saying, what portion uh, have we in david uh, there's there 's nothing for us here you just you just want uh, to get for you you 're not looking to serve us you, you just want to get from us uh, what what 's left here for us their Their answer was nothing, uh, neither have we inheritance uh, in the son of Jesse uh, to your tents, O Israel uh, now see to thine own house, David, so Israel departed unto their tents. They broke away, uh, feeling that there was not going to be any negotiation here, no no need for further uh, discussion. Uh, they had made their decision, uh, understanding that Rehoboam had made his decision. Verse 17, but as for the children of Israel, which dwelt the cities of Judah, uh, Rehoboam reigned over them. So uh, right here, uh, in this moment, you see uh, the, the tribes of Israel in the north, the ten going uh, going having made a decision that they they choose not to be uh, aligned with with Judah and, and Rehoboam, son of Solomon, son of David, uh, but instead going their own way, uh, whereas Judah and Benjamin they, they would stay, um, there was you know geography sort of demanding that, if you will, but this uh, this would seem to be the case. Uh, Verse 18 is a little bit surprising, I think. So uh, imagine this. Imagine you're Rehoboam and and ten tribes just said, you know what, Uh, we're we're, we're, we're ceding from the union. We want nothing to do with you. Uh, We're done. We're not going to pay your your taxes, your high taxes. Uh, We're done. See you later. Uh, it, It seems to me, Rich, that it wouldn't have been my first inclination to send the tax collector to go get those taxes, but that's exactly what Rehoboam did. Verse 18, then King Rehoboam sent Adoram, who was over the tribute, uh, he's their tax collector, over the tribute, uh, and all Israel stoned him with stones uh, that he died. Uh, now, Brother Ray, you, you might say, well, it wasn't wrong, uh, technically wrong, for Rehoboam to go and collect the taxes that, that he had decreed, but certainly we, we might say it was unwise to do it at this point in time. Uh, this, this was not the time to, to call in the tax bills. Uh, and so uh, Rehoboam acts, continues to act very unwisely. Uh, his foolish uh, choice of foolish counsel has split the nation uh, and has immediately caused the death uh, of this servant, Adorum. Uh Second half, verse 18, says, therefore, King Rehoboam made speed to get him up to his chariot uh, to flee Jerusalem. He doesn't want to die. Uh, verse 19, so Israel rebelled against the house of David uh, unto this day. It's the time of, of the writing here. Um, a quick question. A quick question for, for your consideration. Um, was it was it um, sinful was it sinful for the ten tribes to see the way they have have they made a choice here that would be contrary to God's will thoughts
1: Zach yeah
0: God God has worked in history up to this point to form a nation through which the Messiah will come, right? And these men who are are deciding that because they don't agree that the tax burden is is fair or just, they're going to undo what the Lord has done. I think I would agree with you. What they've done, uh, there's an explanation for that, right? They're they're feeling unjustly treated, Um, but they're having whether or not they were treated unjustly, and they probably were. uh, They they are warring against God's plan uh, for this nation to be all that He's planned it to be, including the nation through which the Messiah. Uh, will come. Certainly, Rehoboam has done great harm to the unity uh, of the nation, but for the people to say, hey, uh, we we just don't agree with this, and so we're out of here, would uh, plainly, uh, I believe, be contrary to all that God has accomplished up to uh, this point in their history. And so, uh, I think there's, there's there's probably a lot of principles there that that we could define and and try to get a hold of, but but certainly, um, well, let me ask this question: Do you think that they um, acted emotionally um, or rationally? Uh, does, does there does it seem, maybe there's some of each, right, Zach? Uh, maybe maybe there's a rational component to their decision here, but you can see there's a lot of emotion in this also, right? I mean, they, they, they kill a man who comes to collect the taxes. So that, that certainly implies there's a, there's a lot of emotion. Certainly, we need to understand that, uh, well, there might be a rational argument for a choice. Um, that choice might still be wrong, right? You could, you could rationalize some ungodly, unbiblical choice, right? You, you could rationalize that in your mind and um, allow emotion to come in uh, and sort of add uh, add fuel to that fire right the inclination to make an ungodly or unbiblical choice uh, when fueled by unbridled emotion can very quickly grow the strength of that inclination uh, and carry you down that road very quickly right so we uh, we, we keep that in mind um, a Uh, an inclination that that might seem practically right or warranted or justified in our own minds, uh, but which is wrong is still wrong. Uh, We stand guard against that and stand guard against allowing emotions to come in and just speed us more uh, quickly down that road. Lord, help us to not try to justify decisions that are contrary to your word. Uh, Lord, help us to not get carried away by our emotions uh, and, and, and get uh, down, down that road of, of executing a decision that would be contrary to your word. That you see uh, this idea here tonight. Verse 19, Israel rebelled uh, against the house of David. This is a rebellion against God's plan for his nation. Uh, the 10 tribes appoint Jeroboam as their king. You know this. Uh, verse 20, it came to pass when all Israel heard that Jeroboam was come again, uh, that they sent and called him unto the congregation, made him king over all Israel the ten tribes in the north. Uh, there was none that followed the house of David, but the tribe of, of Judah only. And Again, Benjamin would be sort of lumped in there, it would seem. Uh, now Rehoboam has to make a decision. What's he going to do? Uh, the, the majority of the tribes have ceded from the union, uh, the United Kingdom that God has ordained for his purposes. What's he going to do? Well, his decision is, hey, we, I've, I've got to fight uh, to get this back. I would go out there and uh, if there's going to be a civil war to, to sort of reunify the, this, uh, this union, this unity that we, that's what I'm going to do. Uh, he, this is what seems practical uh, to him. Verse 21, when Rehoboam was come to Jerusalem, he assembled all the house of Judah uh, with the tribe of Benjamin, there's Benjamin, A 104 score thousand. How many is that? 104 score thousand. 20, 40, 60, 80, four score plus 100, 180,000 chosen men which were warriors uh, to fight against the house of Israel to bring uh, the kingdom again to Rehoboam, uh, the son of Solomon. Um, verse 22 says, but the word of God came unto Shemaiah, the man of God, saying, speak unto Rehoboam, the son of Solomon, the king of Judah, and unto all the house of Judah and Benjamin, uh, and to the remnant of the people, saying, thus saith the Lord, ye shall not Go up, nor fight against your brethren, uh, the children of Israel. Return every man to his house, for this thing uh, is from me. They hearken, therefore, to the word of the Lord, thankfully, uh, and and return to depart according to uh, the word of the Lord. So they hear uh, from the prophet and agree uh, not to continue down the road of of, uh, sort of this drumbeat of of civil war. What's missing from Jeroboam's response in verse 21? Uh, Surely he was horrified at the division of the kingdom, at the loss of ten tribes. Uh, Maybe, uh, or maybe not, maybe he was thinking about the implications for the Lord and, and, and God's plan. Probably he was only thinking about the practical implications, the Uh, sort of the financial loss to himself and the harm to his pride. That's probably uh, what he was most focused on. Uh, And so in in verses 21, 22, 23, he he probably was fighting more uh, because of those considerations than because of concern for the Lord's plan uh, for a unified nation. And so we maybe aren't surprised to see that something is missing Uh, in verse 21, before he acts? What is it? What's missing before he uh, makes his plan and, and begins to execute his plan in verse 21? It's another P word, I think. When you have a big decision to make, or or when some big trial has has entered into your life, and you're trying to decide what to do, how do I respond to this trial? Or or you have some big decision to make about a difficulty, you could see a couple of different paths uh, that you could take. What ought you to do, sir? You ought to go to God. You ought to pray. Right? He doesn't do that. Re- Rehoboam doesn't do that. Uh, and so he he heads down the road of what seems right to him, uh, again, probably being motivated by his own self interest rather than the lord's uh, concerns for a a unified nation. Uh, he doesn't pray, he acts upon his own inclinations again, you know putting off, having put off the counsel of the wise men uh, and suffering the consequences of that uh in in now not seeking counsel from the lord uh he starts down the road of what would no doubt have been a very bloody very awful uh situation until lord enters into the equation and says no no stop that's not going to happen brother Ray, thankfully uh the people the the 180,000 they said got it understood Lord, help us to understand, to to remember that when we're hurt, uh, when our pride is hurt, uh, when things are not going the way we would hope or wish, uh, we need to stop and pray. We would take a step back and take a deep breath uh, and say, Lord, I I don't know, maybe I've been pursuing my own agenda rather than your agenda. Lord, Lord, I don't know um, exactly uh, what what I should see here, but I know I need to take a step back and I need to seek you. Uh, I need to pray. I need to seek your counsel. Uh, Lord, help me to yield to you and know how you would have me to go forward. Give me peace about your will uh, and no peace about the course that would not be your will. God, pick me up, dust me off, and set me back on the course that that you would have me to be on. That's a hard thing uh, if you're caught up in emotion. If you've ceded control of your faculties over to your emotions, uh, that's a very hard thing. Uh, Rich, how how do we get control of our emotions? Um, If we've yielded control to our emotions, uh, how can our emotions be brought back under control again? Lord, help me. Lord, help me to yield to you. And as I do, would you take control of my emotions? It goes back to the tongue, right? It goes back to the James, first half of James 3 uh, this past Sunday morning. Uh, no man can, can control this this, this tongue. Uh, we We need the Lord as we yield to him and ask him to take control, right? He's the... The writer that takes control of us through the bit right we we saw that Sunday morning I'm not doing it justice but you recall yeah Lord I'm going to yield to you with strength from you and help from you and ask you uh, to control my emotions uh, such that I not be controlled by my emotions and led to a bad place by them Lord I'm going to need your help to be controlled by you and led to a better place to the right place uh, by you. Uh, Yeah, Lord, Lord, help us. Uh, Meanwhile, uh, up north, uh, meanwhile, up north, uh, Jeroboam is uh, making some uh, political choices that strengthen him politically up north. He's rebuilding cities and no doubt building up support as he does. And uh, he's also building up a system of worship Uh, that should have been rejected but seem very practical to the people and uh, he's offering them all these solutions and uh, building up political power as he does. Verse 25, Jeroboam built Shechem in Mount Ephraim and dwelt therein and and went out from thence and and built or rebuilt uh, Penuel. Uh, Verse 26, Jeroboam said in his heart, he said in his heart, seems like he's worrying now, he's worrying, Now shall the kingdom return to the house of David. If this people go up to do sacrifice in the house of the Lord at Jerusalem, then shall the heart of this people turn again unto the Lord, even unto Rehoboam, king of Judah. And they shall what? What was his concern? What does he say? They shall what? They shall kill me. They, if people uh, look back to Jerusalem uh, when, when it's time uh, to go up to Jerusalem to worship uh, the holy days and, and so forth, there'll be uh, Rehoboam and uh, for sure they'll, they'll be uh, caught back up in, in Rehoboam's web and they'll realize well, what I have done here is wrong and, uh, and they'll seek to kill me. That's his interest, self-interest very prideful, self-centered, self-interest. They shall kill me uh, and go again to Rehoboam, the king. Whereupon, verse 28, the king took counsel. Yeah, he took counsel, but what kind of counsel is it? He took counsel and made two calves of gold. By the way, does that sound familiar? We've seen this somewhere else. We have seen this somewhere else back in Exodus 32, right? Aaron uh, decided that it would be politically expedient to make uh, a golden calf uh, and tell the people that uh, it was the calf uh, that brought the people out of Egypt and, and they should worship the calf now. That would kind of settle things down and sort of consolidate power around him or under him and just be very practically expedient, that was just you know that's what was needful at that time. uh Moses was gone, and who who knows if he'd ever be back or not uh, it It seems like old Jeroboam is taking a page from history uh and and breathing new life into it, even though history clearly shows. Uh, scripture clearly shows that was not a good choice for Aaron. It would not be a good choice for Jeroboam either. Uh, Jeroboam says, middle of uh, verse twenty-eight: "Behold, thy gods, two of them, uh, O Israel, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. These are your gods. These are the gods who have helped you." Histori- the people should have been like, "No, nah." But this is this is what their leader. Uh, is leading them into their leader has brought them out of terrible rehoboam 's reign and uh, all that he expected from them, and so he 's they they 're just caught up in, in in how much they love him for that if he will continue to lead them, it must be it will be good they have blinders on they they're they 're blinded uh, they 're blinded by the uh, their Their love of their leader, despite the fact that their leader has not led them uh, in a godly way verse twenty nine he set the one up in Bethel uh, and the other he put in Dan. so just remember that we 're talking about the northern portion of the land, uh, one in the southernmost part of of Israel, the northern portion and one in the northernmost part of Israel, the the northern kingdom. This just be for convenience, right? It's all about convenience and political expediency. He set up two worship centers. If you live down south, hey, go to this one. If you live up north, go to this one. It'll be very convenient for you. You surely don't need to go back down to Jerusalem uh, nope, absolutely don't need to do that. One man notes that ironically, the literal na- meaning of Bethel is house of God. Bethel, house God, house of God, very ironically. Uh, the people took up the false worship as their leader led them into false worship. Verse 30, uh, this thing became a sin, yep, for the people went to worship before the one even unto Dan. Uh, verse 31, and he, Jeroboam, made a house uh, of high places. Evidently, he took up some of the learnings of, of the Canaanites, maybe combined that with some things from uh, things that he had learned or, or relearned in Egypt, uh, makes a house uh, in the high places, uh, some religious syncretism here, combining ideas of, of false faith. This is probably the idea here, um, there's also something else going on here. Uh, Zach, the fact that he made a house for worship, what what do you make of that? Uh, he, he made a house for false worship. It's a mockery of, of God's true design, right? And and that's what false religions are, right? Very often you can see they, they borrow from the truth uh, and, and counterfeit that truth. Rich, you have a thought. it looks like it's a substitute for the temple in Jerusalem. And and so there's these two places of, of calf worship, golden calf worship, and then there's a, a house, which evidently would be sort of like a, a new sort of headquarters for this, this new false faith, uh, which pretty plainly he's, he's borrowed from Jerusalem uh, and the idea of a temple being a, a primary or special place of worship. Uh, we understand that that this is something that we we see all throughout history. Uh, False faiths will borrow from the truth and counterfeit the truth uh, and kind of spin it for the benefit of the founder uh, of that false faith. And you remember some years back we spent time in the Sunday school hour going through the cults kind of one by one and looking at how they had brought in um, ideas from uh, either Judaism and or biblical Christianity and and corrupted them uh, for their own purposes, for their own benefit. This inclination uh, is seen all the way back here in the days of of Jeroboam. Uh, A man counterfeiting, corrupting and counterfeiting and recasting God's plan, God's desire, God's purposes for the purposes of the man. Political expediency, Uh, which ultimately is going to be about his desire for for wealth and control, no doubt. Uh, Verse 32, we're almost done here. Jeroboam ordained a feast in the eighth month on the fifteenth day of the month, like unto the feast that is in Judah, and he offered upon the altar. So. Uh, he makes up his own feast days when the people were going to be ready to go down to Jerusalem. He said, hey, you don't have to do that. we got these two worship centers. we got our own temple, uh, and we got our own, uh, We got our own special holidays, holy days. No need to go to Jerusalem. Don't need to do that. He's trying to distract them uh, from going back to that which is right. Of course, this is a, a strategy of the cults to this very day, distracting from the truth Uh, with counterfeits of the truth. Um, He offered upon the altar, so did he in Bethel, sacrificing unto the calves that he had made and placed in Bethel the priests uh, of the high places which he had made. False worship, false religion, false priests. uh, Verse 33, and we're done. So he offered upon the altar uh, which he had made in Bethel, the 15th day of the eighth month, even in the month which he had devised of his own heart. Uh, all of this comes not from the Lord, but out of his own heart, uh, his own lusty desires, which he had devised of his own heart and ordained a feast unto the children of Israel he offered upon the altar uh, in burnt incense. One man says, and I think we've already said this, uh, quote, here is a classic illustration of false religion It was politically motivated and counterfeited the truth. Many religions to this day have the same characteristics, but it was an abomination to God, uh, as will soon be seen. And the Lord will enter into the scene here uh, in coming chapters and make it very clear that he is not okay with this. This is a corruption of his will. It's a corruption of uh, correct worship. Uh, it is obviously nothing short of simple, blatant uh, idolatry. Zach, so when take the truth away from people, they're they're still naturally inclined to, to be religious, right? People uh, people have spiritual needs, and if if you take the truth away from them, uh, they're still going to act like people who have spiritual needs. They'll they'll seek something that will meet or they believe will meet their spiritual needs. Uh, it's hard to believe when you when you look at the situation here it's hard to believe isn't it that ten of the twelve tribes could be uh called into false worship you don't see anyone protesting there, do you do you see do you see any account of protest there You just don't, and so as shocking it is, we have to look at that and say, lord, I understand <laughs> I understand that. Uh, if we're not careful to hold fast to truth and be very steadfast to be in your word and, and, and to, uh, to seek your strength to stay yielded to you and, and to hold fast to you, uh, that which is truth, Brother Ray, we, we can we can be pulled away from truth. Um, Probably all of us, if we don't know someone who has been pulled away from biblical Christianity into something else, we probably know about someone who has been pulled away. Listen, if you know the truth and you're walking closely with the Lord, there's no need to go anywhere else. Amen? Um, What's the opposite of truth? Error. (laughs) Do you have the truth? Lord, help us to stick to the truth, help us to stay close to you, Uh, help us to not be distracted from that which we know is true. Um, Does the world today look an awful lot like the Ten Tribes of Jeroboam's Day? Church? The world today looks an awful lot like the Ten Tribes of Jeroboam's Day. And so we know that inclination remains true. It's part of the sin nature. Um, Yeah. Lord, help us to stay close to you and to hold on firmly to the truth. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you so much tonight, Lord, for the truth. We're grateful, Father. Lord, thank you for your words, for giving them and preserving them and making them accessible to us. Thank you, Father. That we can open a bible and know what is true and know what is not true lord thank you that we can open a bible and receive wisdom from you and lord that we can also see what is foolish in your eyes thank you lord that we can open your word and see what is obedient and what is disobedient thank you lord that we can open our bibles and know that we are sinners who need a savior and, Lord, that anyone, anyone, anyone who repents and comes to Christ in faith can be, will be forgiven and find eternal life and a wonderful, wonderful walk with you, Lord. Father, I pray tonight that you help us to stand guard against the tendency, the temptation to slip away from you. Lord, being reminded that to slip away from you is to Move closer and closer and ever closer to that which is not true, to that which is false and that which is offensive to you. Father, we know tonight that the world does look an awful lot like the 10 tribes of Jeroboam's day. Help us to stand guard of slipping back into that, Lord, knowing that what we have in Christ is so much better. Lord, thank you tonight for our salvation. Thank you for being our provider of everything that we need. Thank you, Lord. We love you. Father, I pray all of this tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Zach, you come, please.
1: Right, uh, please do stand with me as we turn to number 343. Number 343, we'll sing Thank You, Lord, 343. Some thank the Lord for friends and home, for mercy sure and sweet. But I would praise Him for His grace In prayer I would repeat Thank You, Lord, for saving my soul Thank You, Lord, for making me whole Thank You, Lord, for giving to me Thy great salvation so rich and free Some thank Him for the flowers that grow some for the stars that shine my heart is filled with joy and praise because i know he's mine thank you lord for saving my soul thank you lord for making me whole thank you lord for giving to me thy great salvation so rich and free I trust in Him from day to day, I prove His saving grace. I'll sing this song of praise to Him until I see His face. Thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. Thank you, Lord, for making me whole. Thank you, Lord, for giving to me thy great salvation so rich and free.